for tuning in to the 145th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, thank you for listening, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Appreciate it. Being recorded from an undisclosed location in Buffalo, New York. Going to have a great show for you today. Going to have uh, Kenny Sim on. A good friend of mine is a draft nut, a football nut. We go through uh, the NFL draft prospects for the defensive line. We go D-tackles, edge rushers, pass rushers, DNs. We go linebackers, and we go secondary, corners, and safeties. Uh, Really interesting interview. Kenny has a lot of insight. Uh, Always learn something new from talking to him. He goes uh, goes into a deep dive of his top prospects, kind of goes into a little bit of three different levels. From one, two to three, and kind of put it in tiers. Uh, also does some some scouting for uh, 247 Sports. So Kenny knows what he's talking about. Love having Kenny on, and we're gonna have Kenny on. Cut him next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have the man, the myth, the legend. He loves football. He's a football nut. Uh, he does some scouting for uh, 247 Sports. How you doing, Kenny? Good, man. You know, just got about uh, three weeks left, or well, uh, three weeks from yesterday would have been the first round of the draft, so um, we're quickly approaching it. We're kind of down... Uh, it's a little bit different with kind of no pro days and stuff, but you know, right about this time, I think the original pro day schedule, a lot of this would have been all done by now. So uh, we're getting down to the final stages of the draft process for teams, um, kind of like finalizing some boards um, and along those lines. Oh, by the way, one thing I did want to one 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 thing I did wanted to point out is. It's going to be a little bit different this year. So, obviously, the draft is going on. No pro days. Um, kind of like when you bring in uh, players to a team's facility or when scouts want to visit a college prospect. That's not happening this year. So, that's going to hurt a couple of people. The first person that hurt, or the first people that's going to hurt, is that's going to hurt all of the people that weren't invited to the combine. So, Every year, there's about you know 35 people that get drafted that were not invited to the combine. Um, so scouts won't be able to see these guys work out. So these are the D2, a few D3 guys, some small school guys, um, the group of five schools that won't have a pro day to get their guys on the board. The other people it's going to hurt is anybody that did not run at the combine. There's not going to be an official 40 official measurement and uh, medicals, too. So that's just something to kind of work through and think about, but I think it's going to hurt some of those lower guys uh, 
like those day three guys, and you know, if you don't have a medical on a prospect, um, I would be fine with like my team not taking you until like the sixth or seventh round, uh, if that. So it's gonna be a little bit different this year, though. How much do you think it actually hurts? And you mentioned the fact that you know pro days can't happen. You can't see D three, D two. Group of five teams and players, but how much do the fact is even with the elite prospects, uh, guys that are power five, come from power five programs, your LSU's, Alabama's, Clemson's, about those guys, you know, you can't have another meeting with them. Uh, you can't get to talk to them, get them in your building, put them through a workout. Uh, how much of an impact do you think that will have? So for those guys, um, kind of, kind of like those guys at the bigger schools, um, I don't think it should. Um, so, you know, if you went to the senior bowl, scouts have talked to these guys, teams have talked to these guys at the combine, and really the, the premises of your evaluation should come off tape. So you have three years of tape on these guys, four years for some of the seniors. So it really shouldn't, um, you know, going through, you know, a few types of position drills against air and stuff, um, I really don't think they should make a break of prospects grade. Um, so, in terms of, like, working out like that, a lot of that stuff should, should have been done, um, or it's, it's just, I, I really just don't see it as a big deal. How, how that might also affect some of the big school guys, um, and kind of mentioning the quarterbacks is, so when you have like a quarterback like, a, like, you know, let's say the Dolphins. So typically what you would want to do and teams that are definitely going to take a quarterback in the top five is you bring all these prospects into the, into the visit. Um, and you, and, and, and right now it's like a one-hour FaceTime call, but typically you would have these guys in for eight, nine hours, talk to the coaching staff, see how they learn, put them up on the board, give them some homework, like before the draft uh, visit, you know, or so plays, concepts, see how they remember that, bring them back for a second visit, see how they, you know, remember those plays, kind of, kind of like the recognition. So all of that's not happening. So it, it, it's a disadvantage to a team needing a quarterback, I think, more so than anything, because in the past uh, you have all that work and it's more whiteboard. I would say for a quarterback than other positions. So that's something that they just don't have access to this year. Good point. Uh, now I want to get to this is why we really have you on. Uh, we're going to do go through kind of um, every position uh, we've gone through in, in the draft this coming 2020 NFL draft. Like uh, Kenny so eloquently stated, it's going to be happening about three weeks from now. Uh, we already went through quarterbacks, went through running backs, wide receivers. Last week went through the offensive line. And now today, we're going to clean right through, go sweep right through the defensive class. We're going to go through uh, defensive line, linebackers, secondary. So, Kenny, where we're going to start is we're going to start with the defensive line. So just kind of talk about that class. We all know Chase Young, but just talk about the class overall. Yeah, so this is, um, this is a class that I'm going to say there's about three or about seven guys that are probably for the first round. Um, so at defensive tackle, I think it's a pretty strong group at the top. Um, edge rusher, 
Richard Young, about the top three or four guys, I think are good players that can come in and play right away. Um, and then it kind of dips off. So in that regard, uh, I'm going to say Edge is not as strong as it is in years past. Um, but defensive tackles, there are some prospects I like. So let me just give you a couple of highlights. So, so obviously, Chase uh, Young, my number one player on the board, he's the top edge rusher. And then there's about four guys or, or three three guys I like in the first round as well. So that would be Caleb on Ch- Chazen of LSU. I like Tor Grossmatos of Penn State and AJ Epinesa of Iowa. So those are kind of the top four or so guys in the first round I see. Then you're kind of going off trace. With edge rusher is a trace position. You want the length, you want the speed, you want the big guys. Um, and then defensive tackle. So the quick highlight here at defensive tackle is there's two guys that are head and shoulders above the other defensive tackle. That's Javon Kinlaw. He was probably the best player overall at the senior ball. Really long player. Matchup nightmare inside the trenches. Uh, he's just so long. Um, and then the other guy, too, is Derek Brown out of Auburn on uh, the top two defensive tackles. Then it kind of trickles down. I think some of these guys will go in the first round, but there was a drop-off in talent from those top two. So then you kind of filter into the guys like uh, Derek Brown's teammate, Marlon Davidson, big tackle out of Auburn. Um, Uh, Nelson Gallimore uh, from Oklahoma too and then Ross Blackledge who is a uh, defensive tackle out of TCU so that's kind of the highlights at the top um, and then there's a couple guys on day two that I like as well that you'll probably want to get into so that's kind of the quick highlights at the uh, defensive line position okay now let's start with the, we'll start with inside and work our way out we'll go with the, the defensive tackle so you said you have uh, Derek Brown, and who is your top two tackles? Yeah, so so it's um, Derek Brown out of Auburn, and then Javon Kinlaw, the defensive tackle out of South Carolina. Now, what specifically makes those two guys kind of the top for you? Yeah, so so, so both are have like the elite traits of size, speed, and length. So the first one is Javon Kinlaw. So he's about 6'5", 326, 35-inch arm. So he's really long. So what that length does, being on the inside, is a lot of times you're going up against guards, and the guards are kind of smaller players. Uh, They're not as long as an offensive tackle. So they kick inside the guard. So when you have a guy that's just so long, like a Javon Kinlaw, you know, you can really get your hands inside quickly, uh, push the pocket, play the run like that. Uh, Derek Brown as well. So, so the thing with Derek Brown is he probably was the best player um, on that Auburn defense um, that held the LSU offense to their lowest output of the year, about 23 points. Derek Brown makes a lot of plays in the backfield. Gets a lot of sacks, so he he has a productive score. Um, he's also six five, three point five as well. 
Um, and then I like this combine as well, the movement skills. So it's, it's, it's just that combination of size, speed, and length that sets those two apart from the other uh, defensive tackles. Now, how much of the fact is that they were productive in the SEC help? Yeah, I mean, I think that helps. I mean, I think that helps relative. So, I think that helps um, with SEC guys in the Big Ten because those are the two conferences that have the best talent. Those two, um, if I recall, those two are the SEC and Big Ten also have uh, the most offensive line and defensive line guys that were invited to the combine, then there was a huge drop off from there. So if you're going against, you know, the best every week, a lot of depth in both of those conferences, specifically in the line spot, like even taking a look at the Big Ten, like going up against, you know, Penn State, Iowa, Wisconsin, those those French players. Um, so it's definitely an advantage, and you could also then go through you know, how these guys do against other guys that are first-round picks. Example being one at the top of my head, I was looking at this guy, um, Andrew Thomas, who's an offensive tackle for Georgia. I'll take a look at the tackle class, but just to make a point, is you could go through his tape and see Andrew Thomas really bodied up Caleb on Chazen, who's a first-round pick in the SEC title game. So that's just like another feather in the cap for Andrew Thomas, who's one of the top tackles in this class. Really did a good job there. Um, so it's just those matchups every week. You know, you can see how those guys did against LSU and Auburn, too. Um, and that's kind of like the, you know, like best talent, the best evaluation that you'll see going up, up against a college guy to see how you might translate to the NFL. Now, what's your... What's the second tier in this D-tackle class? Just talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So, so the second cast, so, so the second one there would be, um, let me pull it up. So I like Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma. So, so he's, a, he's a big defensive tackle, really played well, hit a lot of production at Oklahoma. Um, Sam Ross Blacklock. TCU. So he's another guy that's really quick in short areas, uh, can move the pocket, play the run well, multiple year starter at TCU. So those two guys, and then also, you know, watching Derek Brown, I like his teammate a lot, Marlon Davidson. So Marlon Davidson is another defensive tackle uh, for Auburn, and I think... I think Derek Brown won SEC Defensive Player of the Week three or four times, and Davidson won it two or three. So they were kind of going back and forth, trading that off. Um, so those are kind of like the next three guys, Davidson, Blacklock, and Gallimore at that defensive tackle spot. Kind of rounding out about a top five or so for me. And your third tier? Yeah, and then the third tier would be Justin... Matt Metabuke out of Texas A&M, Devon Hamilton out of Ohio State, and then kind of two guys to kind of think about um, is Khalil Davis and Carlos Davis out of Nebraska. Both those Davis guys are out of Nebraska, and 
these are kind of upside picks on day two, I think. Maybe as we go kind of towards the third round, I'm guessing. Both guys are really quick. I think they ran the two fastest 40s out of those uh, defensive tackles. And Khalil Davis and Carlos Davis, the only other guys, I believe, uh, that had a 10-yard split. So when you run the 40, those, those first 10 yards for a defensive tackle are critical. So you don't really – so, so there, there, there's not many things that you run a straight 40-yard sprint in, um, kind of like applying that to the NFL game. The short area is kind of where it matters to have that first step, that ball get off. But um, as I was doing my research for, for this, uh, the, the only guys that have like the uh, size, length, and a insane 10-yard split of like I think maybe like one seven or below that Carlos Davis and Khalil Davis had in the NFL, forget this, Aaron Donald and Ed Oliver, both first-round picks, both really good players. So that's just something to keep an eye on is say, oh, okay, you know, they obviously didn't have the production in colleges, Oliver and Donald, but it's a similar athletic profile to the weight and the speed there. So if you wanted to kind of have like a penetrating three technique on day three with, or, or, or on day two with some upside, take a look at those dangerous guys out of Nebraska. True. Now, now where I want to go with you, Kenny, is this. So, uh, obviously, everybody, and let's go to the ends now. Uh, a lot of people talk in the pass rushers. A lot of people talk about Chase Young. Uh, first, I just want, and I assume you probably have Chase Young in his own tier, and I'll let you explain that in a minute. But where is Chase Young, and relatively to a Gross Matos, uh, the second, third best guy in the class? Yeah, so Chase, he, yeah, so so he's in a. By, by himself in that edge class, um, if that's what you're asking, um, it's definitely a drop off. So, so the thing with Chase Young is he has such a high floor. It's unless there's some like a catastrophic injury, it's really hard for me to see how he's going to be a bust in the NFL. Uh, just like a just height, weight, the length. The, ability to play the run, rush the passer, his pass rushing productivity grade um, is not only just insane for his class, but I mean, it rivals some of the top edge rushers to come out, like a Mario Williams, or, uh, a Julius Peppers, a Miles Garrett, the Boza. So that's almost like the tier that he's in is, is guys in the past relative to the guys in the draft class that he's in. So there is a sizable gap from edge rusher one, Chase Young, to the next guy. And actually, this is a strong edge class, but after Chase Young, I mean, you're probably going to see out of the entire defensive line, Kinlaw and Derek Brown go next. And you're going to get your, your second defensive end being the fourth defensive lineman taken. So, I mean, there is a significant drop-off, a significant tier from Chase Young and, you know, the other guys in his class. And by the way, day one, Chase Young is a 10-sack guy, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he would come in um, 
and compete for a, like a Pro Bowl. Definitely 10 sacks. Um, kind of similar to what Miles Garrett did in his rookie year. Um, it'd probably be a favorite, I think, to be a defensive rookie of the year candidate. Obviously, that, that has more to do with not only your success, but the team's success. Not sure how good Washington's going to be this year. I don't expect them to be very good, but um, in terms of just production, I would expect Chase Young to be one of the most productive defensive players in this rookie class. Now that we know Chase Young's in a tier by himself, uh, he, he's one and it's a, he's one right, and everybody else is like four. I guess that's what you're trying to say. So kind of talk about that next tier of guys and what they could potentially bring to a team and how good they can be. Yeah, so the, so, so the three guys that keep popping up on the next tier, uh, this would be a second tier of these three guys, is Philabon Chazen. He's the edge rusher out of LSU, highly recruited player, tore his ACL as a sophomore, beginning of his sophomore year, came back this past year as a junior, kept getting better as the year went on. And and so just he's like a, like a highly touted player, kind of caught my eye when he was a freshman and sophomore, so, so I knew about him. Um, and he really kind of produced last year for LSU, especially down the stretch in the SEC and making their national championship run. He's about, so, so he's a guy, um, I don't think it matters that much, but he didn't compete at the combine. He was going to compete at pro day, so there's not, you know, a 40 on him and some of his jumping um, ability, but he's about 6'4", 254, um, really athletic. He's probably, you know, the second most athletic guy in this class behind Chase Young. Might rival him a little bit. He's so quick off the ball, so speed rush, multiple moves. I think he'd be best suited as a defensive end coming in right away and getting him loose on some stunts, you know, with the defensive tackle, try, trying to get him to use two different gaps to rush the passer. Um, he's a hard evaluation because you're not supposed to scout the helmet, but I do kind of, uh, you can't help but kind of remember Arcadius Mingo and uh, Arden Key. Both those guys were highly talented edge rushers out of LSU, and uh, Mingo was a complete bust. He went in the sixth pick overall. Arden Key had some off-field issues, but Key was kind of a bust as well, only in his third year, though. So it's kind of, so that kind of just brings me back. It's okay, really athletic speed rusher out of LSU, a little bit of a red flag. Uh, Chazon's also long enough, and he plays the run well, too, where I think he can make a so, so, so I think he could, you know, impact the running game as well. Ethan Gross-Mattos is my third guy. And I really liked him out of the Big Ten. So he had he had multiple sacks. I'm not sure if he had double-digit sacks last year. I think it was around that 10 mark. He made a lot of tackles for losses. Really long player. He's about six foot five and change, 265 pounds. Really long, athletic edge rusher again. The thing with him is he's going to need a little bit of developing. So... He wouldn't come in and make an impact like Chase Young right away. So you're going to have to be patient with him. Still need a little bit of some seasoning, but um, really athletic, long guy. 
guy, and this will conclude tier two that I like, is AJ Epinesa. AJ Epinesa, former five-star recruit, number two edge rusher in his recruiting class behind Chase Young. AJ Epinesa was a three-year starter at Iowa. Ten sacks last year. Productive in all three years. Um, he is different from the other three and a lot of guys in this class because he's 6'5", about 280. So, so he's more of a power defensive end. He wins a power, heavy hands, plays the run, probably better than anyone in the class because he's so big at 280 pounds. Um, so you could kind of see him coming into like a, like if you're in a 3-4, like playing a 5 technique um, or in a 4-man front as well, you know, really anchoring that point of attack at the edge spot. Um, the thing where he dropped off is the way he plays on the field really didn't translate to his combine. So that's what it, it kind of cost him red flags. Only 17 reps on the bench. Ran a, ran a um, 5.0540 and a 5.11. So that raised some flashes right away being, okay, we need to maybe go back to the tape and see, okay, did we miss something? Um, so I think it's just important to know how he's going to win is he's going to win with more just sheer power and good hands as opposed to speed. So I, I, I still, I mean, I think he went for more like top 15, kind of sliding down a little bit. Um, I don't think in the second round, but definitely in the 20s. Um, so I think a spot that could fit with him is with the Patriots at 23. Bill Belichick likes those big defensive ends that win the power, um, Big Ten connection too. So that's kind of a deep dive actually into our top four. Um, so Chase Young, Chazon, Gross Maddow, and Epinesa. Now, it's interesting when you talk about it. So you, you really think that even if a player, like, like you're talking about, it looks good on film, but maybe the combine results aren't that good. You're saying that could make him go lower in the draft, even though the film is still there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know if teams... Uh, so, so, typically, some teams have, or most teams have, um, with the combine, you know, the interviews and the medical are the most important thing. The field work is actually the least important thing, but it's highly publicized because it's on TV, obviously. Um, so, so, but, but there is some like basic thresholds to cover. So, like, you know, teams will have things like, for example, uh, the corner. Like, you have to be able to run like a, you know, four point six or lower. Um, sometimes, like for a defensive lineman, um, length is a play. So. You know, we want our defensive end to have, you know, this much wingspan or at minimum this much of arm length. So he could slip just because, you know, if you just take a look at, like, the defensive ends and where they line up, um, you know, like on a percentile basis, you know, his 40 is, you know, really poor. I mean, it's like the bottom. 20% 20% at least, if not worse, at 5.11. Uh, only 17 reps on the bench, which is kind of crazy considering that we just talked about how he was a power and the heavy hands that you see on Fiddle. Um, so that could slip up a little bit. Um, I think to answer your question, though, is 
he's a guy that might be hurt a little bit because if he had a pro day to compete at, you know, maybe he could improve on those times and stuff. But you won't have the chance to do that. But I am, but but I'm not going to let a few days, you know, running around in drills, kind of mask three years of really good production in Iowa, though. So I would say his floor is high, but his ceiling, like the best he could be, is not as good as a chase on or a ghost matter. So. And what would okay? And now, just talk about this. What will be your next tier for the defense, for the pass rushers? Your next tier. Yeah. So the next tier is so this is where um, this is where there's a drop off. You'll see a lot of uh, a lot of people that do a lot of draft work say this is not a strong edge class. So after those top four, you know, a few guys that I like based on like just their athletic profile and their length which is so important for a defensive end. Um, so I like Terrell Lewis out of Alabama. He's about six foot five, two sixty three, jumps really well. Um, had a productive season at Alabama this year. Was banged up though, but you know, you could see how those traits that he has you know, with a little bit of more work NFL coaching, you know, he could be a, you know, multiple-year starter, which I think is what you want in the second round on day two, just a multiple-year starter. He could start year two, three, and four of his career. Um, I like the two guys out of Florida as well. I think they're day two prospects. Jabari Zuniga, Jonathan Grief, uh, Grenard. Bernard competed at the Senior Bowl, had a good Senior Bowl week, to kind of, so, so he kind of got on my radar there. But those three guys, and then Bradley Anand out of Utah. Really productive player. I think he had, I want to say, maybe over 15 sacks. I don't have the exact numbers at the top of my head, but really productive player, though, at Utah. Um, not as athletic and twitchy as the other guys that we had mentioned. So there's a little bit of a projection there. And then I'll Now I want to shift to the linebacker class here. Uh, I think you're in agreement with me that the class starts and ends with Isaiah Simmons. I guess he's considered a linebacker. He can play safety. We've talked about it. He can play multiple different positions. But do you think Isaiah Simmons is kind of the Chase Young of the linebacker class? Like it's it's Isaiah, then it's the next guy? Yeah, yeah. Um, so definitely, you know, you take a look at a, uh, Isaiah Simmons, too. He's my second overall prospect behind Jake Young, but I really like this guy a lot. I mean, he's probably looking, if you try to project where he'll go, I see a ceiling of anywhere starting with pick three with the Lions down to about pick seven with the Panthers. Um but yeah, I mean, just I mean, we you would have to go back a really long time to see. Okay, show me the prospect that six foot four, two hundred forty pounds, great length, four three nine, plays basically every position on defense he did at Clemson except for defensive tackle, highly productive, all that stuff. It's kind of like an alien, like you know. 
I think if you recall a guy maybe similar to that, you would have to go back to like 2000, oh, is that the end of the 2000s decade? You remember uh, a guy who played safety for Pete Carroll at USC, Taylor May. Um, kind of like that would be the last player to kind of have those similar traits. But it's definitely Isaiah Simmons and a big drop-off to the next guy. I think Isaiah Simmons comes in right right away. Only guy in the linebacker class to come in, not only start as a rookie, but be one of the best defensive players on the team, compete for a Pro Bowl, and be a really a, just a just a cornerstone defensive player as an off-ball linebacker. Now, I don't know uh, if you listened to the last podcast I did, Kenny, but uh, I made the argument, and tell me if I'm crazy or not, that I would take Isaiah Simmons, if I'm Washington, over a Chase Young. Because I think that, you know, Chase Young might, you know, I mean, you can go with traits, you can say which player is more of a premium position, but my whole thing is it's kind of like, would you rather have Luke Kuechly or Jadavion Klein? Like, I think you can get, you're definitely going to get a solid 10 to 15 years from Isaiah Simmons, I think once he gets older, he loses speed and athleticism. He can start at corner or something, but then he can move into playing a linebacker. And you can milk everything out of him for what he's worth. I, where I can make the argument, Chase Young in the back end of his career, he's not the same player. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you could, you know, it's like just, I mean, like you're picking like just, Two scuds at the track. You really can't go wrong with either. I will say this, like, to go with your argument, I mean, so if, if Washington does shock a lot of people and go, I, I, Isaiah Simmons, um, they already have a pretty good front right now with Montez Sweat and Ryan Ker- Kerrigan at defensive end. You know, you're going to have to match up. Um, I'm a big believer in you need to build your team to beat the other teams in your division. That's the quickest path the playoff is winning your division. So, you're going to have to match up eventually with the Philadelphia Eagles. What do the Philadelphia Eagles do? The Philadelphia Eagles love the two tight end sets of Zach Ertz and Dallas Goder. Putting Isaiah Simmons, that's an eraser over one of those guys. Um, that's an eraser over Evan Ingram, tight end for the um, for the Giants, and even matching up out of the backfield with Saquon Barkley. And then the Cowboys as well, you know, the at worst, it's a guy that just patrols the middle of the field. You really got to be able to win the middle of the field. That's what Isaiah Simmons does. So, I mean, it's not crazy to say that. Um, just to go along with, you know, how many, just just all the first-round picks on that Washington defensive line, too. So they also have Jonathan Allen, who was 17th pick, I think, in the 2017 draft for the uh, Redskins as well. So, um, obviously, Chase Young's better than everyone on their roster, but, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't roll my eyes if you were to kind of pound on the table for that with Isaiah Simmons to the Redskins. Um, kind of just depends on how you want to build your team. Now, that we got that out of the way with Isaiah Simmons, just talk about the tiers for this linebacker class. We know Isaiah Simmons is one. Who do you have in your that second tier? Yeah, so the second tier is two guys. Um, just two guys is Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray. Patrick Queen, I like a little bit more. He's a uh, linebacker out of LSU. 
played really well for them last year, especially down the stretch. And one of their best defensive players um, might have been one of might have been the best. Um, so they had a lot of talent with Shazan, who we talked about. We'll talk about Grant Delphin when we do the secondary. But Patrick Queen was really good. Prototypical sideline to sideline player. Ran a four five five at the combine. A little bit undersized, but he could run. And that's what you want out of your linebackers in the modern day NFL defense is you're doing so many sub packages, you're only gonna have maybe two linebackers on the field, the majority of your snap. Those two guys have to be able to cover tight ends. They have to be able to play hook to flat, cover running backs out of the backfield and then be able to pursue the ball sideline to sideline. Patrick Queen does all of that. Patrick Queen is one of my top 20 players, I would say, in this class overall. Um, I kind of see him going off the board between 10 and 20. Uh, I think he'd be a really good addition to um, a team. Kenneth Murray's my third linebacker, the other guy, only two guys in this tier two. Kenneth Murray was is very similar to Patrick Queen, linebacker out of Oklahoma, similar size. Uh, 230, 240 pounds, he could run too. Um, I know both of them, I'm not sure who was faster at the top of my head, but both ran sub 455 as a linebacker at the 40, which is just, you know, just, just insane. It's just incredible. Kenneth Murray could do that. Um, another guy, sideline to sideline. A little bit banged up though, which is kind of why I give the edge to Queen a little bit. Um, but Kenneth Murray, um, really good leader too off the field. Son of a preacher, watches a ton of tape. Um, multiple years as a captain. Really good player to have your defense built around. Um, so take a look at a, you know, a guy that's productive and he's got that strong leadership trait, strong intangibles that you want to build your team around. Um, the Raiders and Mike Mayon like that type of player. They took so many guys from Clemson and Alabama last year, um, so you could see, you know, the Raiders taking Kenneth Murray at pick 19 that they have. Um, just being a high culture guy, won a lot of games in college. Um, Patrick Queen as well. And the other team that comes up the top, top of my head that always seems to get these linebackers. Um, and they produced in the NFL at the Baltimore Ravens, too. So, um, that's my second and third linebacker. Both those guys will be first-round picks. Now, you have Queen over Murray, correct? Right? Yes. How exactly close is it between those two guys? Yeah, it's really close. I mean, I mean, I'm I would say just personal preference, but um, if myself, other evaluators, other boards that you'll see, um, they're the second and third linebacker and kind of just flip flops depending on what you like. I definitely do what, I mean, I keep going back to the production in the SEC is something that really kind of sticks out to me, um, even though Patrick Queen played with unbelievable talent around him, though, but. Kind of a little, a little bit of why I would move him ahead of Murray, but two guys that should be really good in the NFL, though. 
Now, where is your third tier for the linebackers? Yeah, so then, I mean, after that, there is a drop-off to the next tier. Um, so those players would be... So, so, so the first thing, I think I mentioned this a few episodes ago, is something that stuck out for me at the Combine is how there's so much speed at linebacker. There was, like, about, I think, about 15 guys that ran about four, six, five or lower. So this is a good class for the modern-day off-ball linebacker. Not sure how much of your draft capital and high-end draft capital that you want to spend on those guys, but nonetheless, there is some, you know, good players. So the next tier I would say would be um, Malik Harrison out of Ohio State, Troy Dye out of Oregon, Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech, and I like a Keen Davis Gaither out of Appalachian State. Keen Davis Gaither out of Appalachian, uh, out of Appalachian State, really fast linebacker. He's like a poor man's Isaiah Simmons. Obviously, he didn't run a four-three-nine, but he ran really fast, really good length, played hard. Went for a small school though. On, um, he's just a guy to watch out for uh, coming out of Appalachian State. Probably be a top one hundred pick. Okay. Now we're going to go to um, the secondary class, and, and uh, I think what we're going to do is we're going to start with the corners. So you have guys like Jeff Akuda, who everybody talks about, C.J. Henderson, uh, Christian Fulton. I just want to say, and a lot of people say Jeff Akuda is the best corner in the class. You think Jeff Akuda's kind of been that, as we've already discussed? Isaiah Simmons, Chase Junctier, where it's Jeff Akuda, then it's everybody else. Yeah. So I would say Jeff I would say those those are the top three players in the draft, regardless of position. You're just putting them on your number scale, your grading system, whatever you use. Ignore the mock draft. Ignore kind of like the positional needs of quarterback. The top three players, regardless of position, are Chase Young, Isaiah Simmons, and Jeffrey Okuda. So Okuda is uh, my third best player overall. He's pretty much locked at his zone. Now, when you say, and actually, this is really interesting, not to get off too off topic, but when you off topic, but when you say Akuda Simmons and Young are the top three players in this draft, regardless of position, you are also by that saying they're better overall prospects when when you grade them on the number scale, like you say, better than a Joe Burrow, uh, a two attack below, etc. Correct? Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Now after Akuda. Where does the class go? Is it C.J. Henderson? Is it a Christian Fulton? Like, where where does it go after Jeff Akuda? Yeah, so this is a this is a position group that I've looked at for a while now. Um, the second corner in this class, though, is C.J. Henderson. C.J. Henderson, I think he ran four three at the combine. Big long corner. That's what you're looking for today in the NFL. Um, really good length really good ball skills, really had a really uh, just a highly productive season at Florida, Florida, you know, a school that, you know, you don't want to scout the helmet again, but really good pedigree of corners coming into the NFL, um, just his ability to mirror receiver, track him with his size, whether it be, you know, running him into the sideline with his, uh, with his length on like a go route, tracking deep balls. 
coming up and making a hit. T.J. Henderson um, is, you know, he came in as one of the top corners I saw. Um, and then just being, you know, over six feet taller, runs four three eight two. Um, corner is a really heavy stop loss position. I'm really looking at that forty times for those guys. Um, seeing a sub four four was really appealing, and that kind of put Henderson as my uh, second corner. The third corner is Christian Fulton. So he's a multiple year starter at LSU, which is just a really quick point to kind of you know, head up on a team's first-round radar. A um, little bit of some up and down, but, you know, just his, just his ability, to, ability to flip the head, mirror a guy through his route, run the route for him. Um, ball skills as well. Christian Coulter would be next. Um, sometimes you get beat a little bit more than Henderson and Akuda, a little bit more than you would like from a first-round uh, corner. But I don't think it's anything too bad. Um, and then after that, the other guy that I kind of see going in the uh, the first run as well, and I would say closing, I would say those would be the top four corners. Uh, the fourth guy is Jeff Gladney, cornerback at a TCU. Jeff Gladney, out of those four, Kuda, Henderson, Fulton, he plays inside. He'll play nickel. He's about 5'9", 5'10", 180 pounds. Perfect to be your slot corner. Um, you really have to lock down that slot receiver. Definitely highly competitive player. He's a dog. Puts his nose into the running game, too. And and the way the NFL is going, too, is, is that nickel has to be a starter for you. So you can't just have just just like the third guy in the depth chart, you put him inside the nickel. Or if he were to get hurt, okay, the fourth guy kind of moves up to the third guy on the depth chart, plays inside. I mean, you got teams with their highest played offensive player is they're putting this guy in the slot, putting a guy like a Zach Hurt. Um, you know, teams are really good three three receiver sets, like uh, like uh, the Falcons at the top 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 of my head. So so you'll see like before they trade some new. Because they'll have a first-round pick in Calvin Ridley in the slot. Um, you know, the Chiefs will put Ty, Tyreek Hill in the slot. The point being is you're going up against one of the best players on the other team. This guy has to be not only a starter, but I would say invest, you know, heavy draft capital in your cornerback room and have a guy that can come in and guard the guys in your division like that. So... You know, spending a first-round pick on Jeff Gladney to be your third corner of your nickel, that would be a pretty solid pick, in my opinion. Now, what's your next tier for the corner class? Yeah, for the next tier, that would be... um, Okay, I got four guys here. So... Trayvon Diggs out of Alabama. Trayvon Diggs is matched up with Okuda as just just being a big corner. Probably the Okuda's a little bit bigger, but he's probably the second biggest corner in this class. So he's about six uh, two, over two hundred pounds. Really long wingspan, long arms, which you look for. Um, did get beat a little bit. Ball goes over his head a lot. However, you know whether it just be like a like a cover two scheme, um, 
or having some help over the top. Trayvon Diggs would be a solid pick. Um, he kind of heads up my next tier, along with Damon Arnett, the cornerback out of Ohio State. He was up and down. Came in last year, though, in his last year at Ohio State. Had a really good year. One of the best corners in the nation. A lot of PBUs. Um, got targeted a lot, obviously, because teams just wouldn't throw to Okuda. So there's a lot of tape on him. But Damon Arnett really came on strong. Um, I think his 40, though, was over over 455, which is a little bit of a concern. Um, he's another guy in the tier. And then two other guys I like is Jalen Johnson out of Utah and Darnay Holmes out of UCLA. So Jalen Johnson's a really physical corner. Physical, got that height, weight, wingspan. Um, really productive player out of the Pac-12. And Darnay Holmes out of UCLA. So those top four would round out the next tier. The thing on Darnay Holmes is he's a smaller corner, but he's definitely kind of along the lines of Jeff Gladney as a nickel. He'll come in, um, perfect player to play the nickel, highly recruited player out of UCLA. A lot of people probably wouldn't watch a lot of UCLA, but, I mean, watching this guy at the combine just go through the drills, really fluid athlete. That's the thing, the thing that comes up first in my mind. Fluid athlete, oily hip, could definitely mirror a player. Um, I would consider him a steal if you would get him, you know, at the end of round two, round three even. Now I want to go to the safety class. Uh, the name that usually comes up when you talk about this class, it, it starts with Grant Delphit out of LSU. Is that where it starts for you, Kenny? Do you have Grant Delphit as your number one safety? Yeah, I do. And, you know, I mean, kind of like make like a lighthearted joke. Like, I'm getting sick of his slander. A lot of people moving. You know, he's going to go to round two. I've seen things like some, 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 some teams won't take him until round three. You know, he would bang up a little bit, missed some tackles this past year at LSU. Um, so, you know, I guess, you know, suspect tackling. But this is a guy that multiple years started at LSU. Um, rangy, quick, really good ball skills. All that still to me um, as my top safety. He was my top safety right at the end of the season when your evaluation is fresh. Um, you know, I don't know if it's some teams hoping that they'll slip to them at the end of round one or round two or something, but you can beat on a lot right now if you follow the draft and the coverage from a lot of people. Um, I'm not a really big fan of that, though, but Grant Delta definitely a top player for me. Um, I got a first-round grade on him. I take him in the first round, definitely, still. Are we talking about the top 15 or the bottom 15 of the first yeah, round? Yeah, I think the bottom 15. Yeah, I think the bottom 15. Um, you know, the uh, Cowboys could use a safety. Um, Patriots. Vikings lost a lot of guys in the secondary. They could use him. Um, Chiefs, even. Just you're going to face teams that are going to be playing catch-up against Mahomes. Um, bottom half of the first round, you know, I think that'd be a good pick for a team still. And who's your next set of guys? And, and kind of what's the gap also between Delphit for you and the next guy at the safety position? Yeah, I mean, 
he'd be the only guy that I'd take in the first round. Um, then there'd be a drop off to the second group. So the second group, so there's uh there's there's three players in this group. I really want to bring your attention to two of them though, and these are two of my favorite players in the draft. The first one is Jeremy Chin out of Southern out of Southern Illinois. So he played FCS, also known as One AA. Played for Southern Illinois. So yes, I do realize that there's a competition uh, difference that jumps to to the NFL. Um, and then the third guy, or, or my my third safety, is Kyle Duger out of Division Two and Nora Ryan. So let me just highlight these two guys and how I found, or kind of how they got on my radar and why they're moving up boards. I think people are seeing them more and more um, as top 40 players. Wouldn't surprise me to see them go in the top 50 anymore. I don't even think that's a sleeper to say that. So, so both these guys are in like the 99th percentile for vertical jump and broad jump. Um, and they were exactly sent. Similar. So one had like a 41, 142 inch, um, in terms of broad jump over 11 feet, which is just insane. It's 97th, 98th percentile. And both of them ran 445 and 447. I think Chin was 445. Um, so you have that, which is faster than my fourth safety, Xavier McKinney out of Alabama. Now, also with Chin and Duger, is these are big safeties too. So, you know, both of them are about six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds around there. Chin kind of uh, Chin's a little bit bigger. I think Chin is six three, two twenty one, one four four six. These are guys just slightly under the same profile as Isaiah Simmons in that regard. Both of them were really good at the senior bowl, really good at the combine, really good ball skills. I like Chin a little bit more because he played his first few years in the in, in uh, Southern Illinois as corner, so he has that coverage ability. Uh, but he could definitely, you know, be that sub package linebacker even in nickel and dime. Uh, play the box as well. Kyle Duggar is a guy too that could be like a similar mold to an Isaiah to a Isaiah Simmons um, to come in down into the box, you know dime defenses, to play that linebacker spot, cover tight end, cover running back. Those two guys are some of my favorite values, I think, that you could get, and I'm high on both those guys, so two and three. And then the fourth safety would be Xavier McKinney out of uh, Alabama. Now, I, I do want to ask you this. This will be my last question for you, and this is just an overall uh, draft question. We kind of mentioned this in the beginning of the show with players from Division Two, Division Three. uh Group of five schools, double uh, A. How do these players get kind of on an NFL team's radar? How do you find out these players? Yeah, so um, kind of a kind of like a three-step process almost. So, so the first one is every NFL team will have uh, scouts. Um, area scouts, so they have a region of the country, so you know, you'll have a regional scout who sees the schools in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Wisconsin, like that Big Ten ter ter territory. You'll have a Southeast scout, a West Coast scout, and these 
these guys will make visits to schools, you know, over the summer through the fall practices, and they'll see, you know, not only maybe the top guys, so um, I'm trying to think of an example. So, so like, not only looking at, like, uh, like the Wisconsin scout in the area. Wouldn't only look at John, John, Jonathan Taylor, but uh, a Zach Bond might stick out to him. A lower guy who is a starter that the coaches really like when they go on these visits, you know, they'll they'll talk to the coaches and the personnel staff, say, you know, other than like the guys I'm come here to see, you know, who who else should I watch tape on? So each team will have an area of scout to do that. The second thing that could kind of uh, stick out on tape is if you have one of these group of five teams that plays like an Ohio State or an LSU. Uh, one of those non-conference teams at the beginning of the year, seeing how they do against the top competition. So um, kind of like the poster boy of that story is Khalil Mack, who played for Buffalo. Khalil Mack played for Buffalo, and in his last season, Buffalo played Ohio State. So yeah, you're watching the Ohio State guys, but I think the best player on the field that game was Khalil Mack. He, he had a sack, he had a pick six. Uh, so you could get on the radar just being you know, a small school team like Utah State played LSU this year. So you could see how Jordan Love did against LSU. Uh, he was known, though, but but you could see, you know, if you watch a bigger school team, seeing how they do against the top competition. And then to bring that all together, is that how you get on the Senior Bowl staff uh, on their radar? And the Senior Bowl will bring in uh, not only the top seniors around the area, but also – you know, they'll, they'll have a few small school guys that feel like Division two, Division three every year, too. And then that week of the Senior Bowl, seeing how they do against the best seniors in the country, the best kids in the country. So that's how Chin stuck out, Dutter stuck out, because they played well at the Senior Bowl. Um, I'm trying to think at the top of my head, who was another guy at the Senior Bowl who was like a small school guy? So I think the Bucks, I think the Tampa Bay Bucks a few years ago took a guard Ali Marpet, who was out of Colbert College, Division Three, and he had a really good week at Senior Bowl. So you see how he did against the competition there. Saying, okay, so we could spend a day two pick on him, and he went in the third round. So starts off, you know, area scout, catch your eye uh, against some of the top schools like Buffalo played Ohio State, and then that kind of comes into fruition how you find them, and then seeing how they do at the Senior Bowl. Kenny, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And once again, I want to thank Kenny Sim for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Love that deep dive we went into with the draft. We covered defensive line, linebackers, secondary. I want to thank everybody for tuning into this episode, the 145th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. No, today, I just woke up. And I said, no, instead of waiting on a good day, waiting around through ups and downs, waiting on something to happen.